On today's episode of Sports Medicine Weekly, Dr. Brian Cole and I discuss PRP, platelet-rich plasma. We'll talk about what it is, when it all began, what joints it may be most effective for, the difference between cortisone shots and PRP shots, and if you're a candidate for treatment with PRP. It's an exciting, exciting topic as we welcome everyone into our Sports Medicine Weekly podcast. But first, a note from one of our sponsors, JRF Ortho, partners with orthopedic surgeons to improve the quality of life of patients by enabling them to have an active life through the generous gift of cartilage and ligament transplantation. Please go to jrfortho.org to learn more. Sign up to be a tissue donor at donatelife.net. Also, Vericell, they develop, manufacture, and market autologous cell-based therapies for patients with serious diseases and conditions. For more information about their products, visit vcell, V-C-E-L, Com. Dr. Brian Cole is with us, head team physician with the Chicago Bulls, one of the team physicians with the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon, one of the best in the world from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Okay, Dr. Cole, interesting topic here. I've been um, learning about this for, for years, really, I'm going back to um, my work with the Chicago Bulls, but PRP becoming more popular than ever, platelet-rich plasma, how do you describe it? So it's a great topic, Steve, and I think it's kind of fun to revisit it, mainly because people hear about it and then they sort of back up and say, well, what does PRP stand for? And they kind of don't remember and they know it has something to do maybe with regenerative medicine or other. And I'll just give a, a very brief overview, if I may, to help our, our listeners for this episode understand it. PRP is platelet-rich plasma. So in our blood, we have platelets and platelets, as you know, are to help stimulate clotting. So we have a cut, the, the ble bleeding stops, and we form a scab. And platelets are responsible for creating this whole sort of biochemical response that creates a clot that stops bleeding. But the platelets themselves, years ago, back in the, well, for decades, but certainly back in the 80s when PRP was thought about uh, use, being used for clinical applications, say in cardiac surgery and uh, plastic surgery and dental work and so forth, it was identified that platelets have very important growth factors. They have these little packages, what we call vesicles, that have really probably thousands of growth factors, but there's about five to 10 of them that can work in ways that can enhance our body's ability to heal, and they can reduce inflammation, and they can also bring in stem cells into a healing environment. So these growth factors are like little sort of pharmaceutical stores that can influence the environment. That's a good way to think about it. So it's a very inexpensive, safe, because it comes from you, uh, way to take your blood. So I could take your blood, say, you know, 100 cc's of your blood, and then inject it into a site, but it's a very high volume. So let's just say I take your blood and there's, you know, a thousand platelets there. If I spun it down in a centrifuge and took advantage of the different weights of things in your, in your blood, whether red blood cells, white cells, or platelets, if you spin it down for a specific period of time in a high velocity centrifuge, the platelets will actually layer out because they weigh differently than red blood cells do. So one layer might be red blood cells, another layer may be white cells, and then another layer may be platelets. So I can take those thousand platelets in a much smaller volume now, so it's concentrated and injected into a site. So it does not very practical, for example, if the stuff has any activity to inject a whole volume of blood, but I can take a concentration of your blood that has actually eliminated all the things we don't want 
and leaves the platelets behind, which have good things to do and inject that into a site that needs sort of a healing response. So that's the basics of it. It's a, it's, it's a concentration of your own body's platelets. So it's very safe. It's not very expensive. And it has growth. These platelets have growth factors that have been shown to promote healing, bring stem cells, your own body's stem cells into an area where healing should occur. And uh, it can reduce inflammation. Those are the basic tenants as it relates to platelet-rich plasma or PRP. So you take a uh, um, example of my blood then, right? Yep. And then you actually have a machine that spins it. That's correct. That's right. Yeah. So you've, I, you, I, how long has this, how long has this machine been around? I mean, centrifuges have been around forever because <clears throat> laboratories that analyze blood for different things have been using centrifuges forever to separate various components. Okay. So, you know, if you took like sugar, salt, pepper, and water and put it into a, into a test tube and then spun it, things, because they weigh differently, those, each of those diff different things, they each have a different weight, they would layer out preferentially, if that makes sense, because of the velocity of something that's spinning, because they each have different weights, they would layer out. Same thing with platelets versus red cells or white cells and the plasma, you can preferentially get access to the things that are biologically important and get rid of things that don't have much importance by spinning them and, and having them layer out. That's been around for probably over a hundred years, I bet. Okay, so I saw on your website, PRP may be injected directly into the damaged tissue in the office or during surgery. You actually will do this during surgery? Yes, so we've been uh, instrumental in investigating various ways that platelet-rich plasma can be used to enhance the outcomes of surgery. So, for example, there are patients who have cartilage tears or meniscal tears who also have osteoarthritis. And we've done some clinical work that shows that if you use PRP at the end of the surgery, it might change the clinical outcome by further reducing inflammation. Uh, the other area that's been a particular interest is using platelet-rich plasma at the time of rotator cuff repair. There's been a number of studies that have looked at can injecting platelet-rich plasma, utilizing the growth factors that are present, and can you actually reduce the incidence of the rotator cuff re-tearing if it was assessed by MRI, for example, at one year or more? And there's some early evidence, and this came from our institution as well, at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, with our collaborators, that showed that it might actually reduce the retear rates if you add this at the time of surgery. So it's, as I say, it's cost-effective. Insurance, now mind you, doesn't cover it because it's still considered an experimental investigation. We should talk a bit about that because that's an important component. But it is not very expensive technology, and it's sort of a very simple, super safe way to trick our bodies into doing something better, something that it actually wants to do, but enabling it to do so in our sort of intrinsic desire to heal things once injured. Okay, so um, I understand that PRP, as you mentioned, currently considered investigational may not be covered by insurance, although the therapeutic application of PRP initially described in 1987 in the setting of cardiac surgery. So, I mean, Dr. Cole, that's uh, 30, almost 35 years uh, in the making, uh, why has this not been, as you're saying, it's not been approved by the, by the FDA? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, so, so we can use it because it's so, you know, the centrifuge is FDA approved because it's a device, and that's not a big deal from a regulatory pathway. The use of blood products, as long as it's the patient's own blood and it's not manipulated in any meaningful way or you're not adding anything to it, the FDA really has no oversight other than sort of good clinical practices. But we cannot make claims related to it because it's never been studied enough to the point where a clinically valid FDA trial, a trial that would allow labeling, for example. So for instance, if we say we want to use platelet-rich plasma to reduce the symptoms of arthritis of the knee, 
if that's the principal question. While I can do it, it would be considered really off-label use. It has been commonly utilized to uh, augment bone graft procedures, to, to take bone grafts and actually improve the healing response with bone grafts. Uh, but everything else that we use PRP for is actually off-label. So as a physician, uh, we have, while we're not worried about patient safety, because that has not been a concern, uh, we have this obligation to help patients understand that because it hasn't gone through a formal clinical trial, meaning like a randomized study, if you wanted to see if it works in the knee for arthritis, a patient would have to be, 50 of them would have to be getting a saline injection as a placebo, and 50 would get PRP, and we would look at them in one or two years and say, which one helped more? That's the kind of study that has to be done. And there are studies that are ongoing just like that that would be useful for a company or a sponsor, as we say, to go to the FDA and say, hey, can we now label this because we show that it's safe and it's effective in the symptom, treating the symptoms of arthritis. But until we get to that point, the insurance companies are saying, look, uh, it's an uncovered benefit. Feel free to get it, but we're not going to cover it financially as a service because there is insufficient data to say that it's anything other than experimental and investigational. Doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just you haven't passed the required testing to show us, to prove to us that it's something we should pay for. Interesting. Okay, Dr. Call, I want to ask you there's the difference between um, cortisone shots and PRP shots and also um, you know, when you started first using uh, PRP injections, because uh, when I remember, you know, this show going back uh, 10 years, it was just done on professional athletes. And, and I want to get into that a little bit. But first, uh, our thanks to one of our other sponsors, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. They have something you can't find anywhere else. The number one ranked orthopedic and spine care in Illinois. When it comes to diagnosing and addressing your pain, their team of orthopedic providers is focused on giving you the most effective treatments to help you feel and function better. And with access to their orthopedic and spine experts conveniently located in six Chicagoland area locations, it's easier than ever to get you back to leading a full active life. Visit RushOrtho.com to learn more and also to find a specialist. And Dr. Cole, also hope you've been uh, trying and uh, um, consuming Karen Malkin's new protein brownie bars and superfood bars, best tasting bars on the market, certified gluten-free, paleo, no added sugar. Karen's protein brownie bars and superfood bars available on Amazon and at Karen Malkin, K-A-R-E-N-M-A-L-K-I-N.com. Really, really good stuff. Okay, back with uh, Dr. Brian Cole. I'm Steve Cashel talking about PRP, platelet-rich plasma. Um, when did you first start using um, uh, the injections and uh, this method of treatment, Dr. Cole? So I'd say, Steve, that I've been using it for more, you know, a good part of my career because I remember doing uh, participating in some basic science investigations and some animal work where we were looking at the effects of PRP uh, in arthritis, and it goes all the way back more than 20 years ago. So, you know, because it was readily available, I was not... I'm I, I'm I'm always uh, interested in clinical adoption of sort of proven therapies, but I'm equally interested in looking at unproven therapies and trying to prove them to help the care for our patients. And that's a big part of not just my career, but the you know my colleagues at Midwest Orthopedics or Rush. That's one of the things I think that separates us uh, from other sort of orthopedic groups. Is this there's honestly this commitment that's uh, they they take the time outside of their day jobs to look at these things. And that's something we were doing 20 years ago, including some equine or, or animal work, using it to treat cartilage defects. And um, so I'd say it's more than 20 years. And so I, I, I can tell you what I do know is that it's safe. 
I can tell you that I don't know that it's always effective. I can tell you that I know I won't be hurting a patient with it knowingly, uh, and that there is a small out-of-pocket expense because insurance generally will not cover it. And uh, it's it's been used in dental work uh, for to promote healing with dental procedures. It's been used in the cardiac space. It's been used by plastic surgeons, uh, the so-called vampire facial, uh, for, for a very long time, and always with the same intent uh, to provide access to growth factors that are housed in these little vesicles. Uh, you know, companies have looked at recombinant where you can take DNA, Steve, and manipulate in such a way to actually produce these growth factors uh, synthetically. But, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could harness the things that are in our body already that are very safe and very relatively cost-effective to use it in that fashion? And that's what PRP brings to the table. But we still have the onus to show efficacy or the fact that it works. So you also asked the question um, about how you compare it to cortisone. And, and the reality is that, you know, most of what we do, Steve, is modify symptoms. And I would not want our listeners to this, epi- to this episode on PRP to take the uh, to have the take home be that we are rewinding the clock or reversing or eliminating disease. What we're most of the business we are in as orthopedic surgeons or musculoskeletal specialists is to reduce symptoms. I mean, Steve, why did you come to me for your shoulder? You came to me because you had pain and dysfunction. You couldn't throw a ball with your kid. You were having trouble sleeping, and you had lots of discomfort. It's it's generally pain and discomfort that brings someone to the care of an orthopedic surgeon or a primary care orthopedic specialist. And anything we can do to eliminate or reduce pain and improve function is a, considered a home run. So I think that we have aspirational goals, Steve, to, to regenerate tissue and rewind the clock. And that's a big focus of our research. But what's here real time is the ability to modify symptoms. So cortisone is a symptom modifier. Cortisone is a steroid and it acts in the local environment to reduce inflammation. Inflammation is often a, associated with pain and some of these degenerative processes that we manage. Now, in all inflammation is not bad, but there are certain inflammation scenarios that do cause pain, swelling, and disability. And that inflammation can be shut down. I, I had my uh, sister-in-law in town recently, my brother's wife, and we were, uh, she came in and she had rotator cuff tendonitis and she's been living with it for four months. And I, you know, I made the diagnosis very quickly. I put her arm up over her head and she had deltoid pain and she has night pain. And I knew she didn't have any obvious, obvious evidence of a tear, literally went out to dinner with them. And I brought all my stuff with me and went to a, uh, a, uh, a confidential location. And, uh, I gave her, yeah. I gave her an injection in her shoulder. And the next day she texted me, she's like, my shoulder hasn't felt this good in, in, in six months. And because it eliminated inflammation. So anything that can provide symptom relief, even short of surgery to me is a home run. So there are times, for example, where cortisone doesn't work or it doesn't work for long enough. Um, And that's where PRP can come in as an alternative to again, reduce inflammation. So we may use it for osteoarthritis of the knee. I use cortisone all the time for osteoarthritis of the knee, but sometimes it doesn't work or it doesn't deliver a long enough response. So we switch over to PRP. To be honest, if PRP was reimbursed by insurance, I'd probably use it first. But the fact that there's an economic burden on patients, I want to try something that's more cost-effective in the eyes of the patient because it is cortisone is covered by insurance. But I will tell you that the length of time in terms of symptom relief in general has been more predictable with the use of PRP in my practice. I'm almost thinking cortisone blocks the pain and maybe reduces some inflammation, but PRP is used maybe to um, treat to to heal better. Well, it Can depends. You see that? No, I mean, is PRP yeah. can't can't PRP heal? It, it depends. Cortisone doesn't heal. It depends on the application. So uh, 
when you're treating an inflammatory condition like arthritis of the knee, I would argue that it's simply inhibiting the inflammation. However, you're right. When we use PRP in a setting of jumper's knee, chronic patella tendonitis, I use this a lot in the NBA. Jumper's knee is a very common problem where the patella tendon inserts into the kneecap or the bottom of the patella. That's a hot spot for a lot of athletes and it causes tons of disability. And the concept anyway is that when you inject PRP, it can promote a healing response in that area. It may or may not be true, but we have some MRI case studies, I will tell you, that show evolutionary improvement after a PRP injection is given in that environment, the MRIs actually look better. Now, is that healing? Is that change of water content to make the MRI? I don't know, but if it makes the patient feel better, that's all I really care about. Um, PRP used in a surgical setting. Cortisone, for example, at a time of rotator cuff repair would not likely promote a healing response, but PRP might upregulate the healing response in the setting of trying to get a tendon to heal back down to bone. So you're correct, but it's about how PRP might promote healing, but it has to be the proper environment, the proper application to actually be able to say that. Okay. And then the final question that I had, and this actually comes from our producer, Alex Soroka, like, um, the effective time, you know, like if, if you would put it, would you put it in a pitcher's elbow or shoulder? And then when would they be able to return to play? Is that, is that a factor that you consider? And it seems like cortisone works right away. Does PRP work as effectively uh, in, in a time space? So we've been super interested in the use of PRP for partial, for the Tommy John problem. And the MLB has done a really good job of, uh, of um, tracking the use of PRP for partial ulnocleidal ligament or uh, uh, the Tommy John ligament in, the, in Major League Baseball. And the data was really difficult to understand. Um, I can just tell you that if you're in a setting where you'd like to try to help someone avoid surgery and the associated six to nine or 12 months recovery, it PRP offers that possibility in some. And um, we've done it in gymnasts with partial tears. I've had a number of baseball players where we use it to improve the body's desire to heal in a setting where the onocleidal ligament is torn in a way that it might actually heal enough that a player could get back to throw. So there are instances where I will try PRP and in major league baseball, it's done a lot. I mean, we're always trying to keep, we're always trying to do less than more. And I can tell you, you know, the sign of a seasoned physician, especially one who takes care of professional athletes, is the individual who says, what is the least amount I can do to get someone better? And I know obligatorily, if I have a major league baseball player that we're going to fix his onocleidal ligament, he is out nine to 12 months. It's not even the danger of the surgery. It's not a dangerous operation. It's right. just, no, you're going to be out nine to 12 months. What if we had the ability to keep him out four to six weeks and get him back to play effectively? So you got to weigh the balance of, are you burning time while you're trying to see if this thing works? Because you just burned a month or two, right? That they could have made up on the other side if they had it operate on immediately. So a lot of our research is really trying to get super granular to figure out who might be a responder, who might not. So we don't waste time. Time is time is money in professional sports, and you know, and time is a problem for just non-professional athletes. I mean, you don't want to waste a lot of time not being active, right? I mean, you don't. I mean, it's painful if you can't do the things you want to do, and it's oh, so. Yeah, so I think it applies to everyone, not just professional athletes. That that logic. Yep, and it's a growing, uh, looks like uh, the science and research is continuing to uh, evolve, and you guys are learning more every day, right? Yeah, I think the greatest part about my job, Steve, is that um, I, you know, yes, I absolutely love taking care of patients, doing things I love, but I think I enjoy the, uh, the balance of trying to discover something, 
And you know, we as physicians inherently, you want to make a difference in someone's life. I will tell you that some of the biggest differences, some of the most gratifying moments are when you actually identify a problem, figure out a way to do it better, and then actually apply it to patient care and make it evolutionally better. I, there's nothing that is more gratifying than that in, you know, in, 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 I can tell you my personal day job. Great stuff, Dr. Cole. We appreciate it. Many thanks to our producer, Alex Soroka. We hope you enjoyed today's Sports Medicine Weekly episode. Be sure to add the Sports Medicine Weekly podcast to your playlist on Apple and Spotify. Listen in anytime, anyplace. Subscribe to our Sports Medicine Weekly podcast. Also go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. New Sports Medicine Weekly podcasts are shared weekly on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And one note from our another one of our sponsors, uh, warm weather is here. Time to get outside, enjoy your favorite activities, and spend precious time with family and friends. Aches, pains, or an injury should not be part of the memories you're making. The therapists at Rush Physical Therapy are here for you. With more than 60 locations throughout greater Chicagoland, Rush's clinical experts will get you back to life. Go to RushPT.com today to schedule an appointment. Not sure if physical therapy is right for you? Request a complimentary consultation and discover the power of Rush Physical Therapy today. Again, for Dr. Brian Cole and our producer, Alex Soroka, Everyone working on our Sports Medicine Weekly Podcast, I'm Steve Cashel. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and hope you can catch the next one. Take care. 